0: Hey friends, welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host Katie, and today I'm so excited for you to listen to today's episode with Jillian Gertzen. You know those episodes where the podcaster and the interviewer, they just, they click. There's a vibe, and I really want you to take away today's vibe into your January, into this new year, into your day, your week, your month, whenever you're listening to this, because Jillian is You're just going to hear the brightness in her voice when she talks. She is a body positive health coach. She's also a certified intuitive eating counselor like myself, but she's also an author and she also helps clients ditch the diets, the programs, the plans, and really her goal, similar to the work we do here, is to reclaim your authentic approach to health and fitness. She has a degree in kinesiology, but really she's been working in this industry for over 20 years as a health coach and really prescribing personalized lifestyle strategies that help clients and readers redefine what health and fitness means to them. Ultimately, what she does with clients is she helps you to bring that unique vision of health and fitness to their real life, like actually implement it. Informed by evidence-based practices, grounded by health at every size and self-compassion, Jillian encourages and empowers her clients to take back the reins and feel confident about their unique approach to health. She lives, works, and plays in the traditional territory of, I can't even say it, First Nation. I'm going to butcher. I'm not even going to try to say it. But she lives on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada, which is so cool. She's just She's just so fun. You're going to love her. And she also has two boys, a husband, and a mini Aussie Tucker. So if you don't love her already, I know you will. Check out today's episode and let us know what you think by sharing this on Instagram. Tag us at Hake or at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Tag Jillian as well. As always, we'll put all the links to all the things in the show notes. And you can always support the show by clicking that follow button, following us on social media, joining our newsletter, or just sharing this with a friend. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour, a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fears.
1: Jillian, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Awesome. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: You, I always know it's going to be a good episode when I have a guest on and we just I have to like cut us off and get we gotta we gotta get to the, the episode of what we're talking <laughs> yeah, about today. So yeah. very good sign. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and our listeners? You know, what is your story with with food and fitness?
1: Yeah, okay. So I came from a background of a degree in kinesiology. And I kind of took the track with my kinesiology degree to work in fitness, and did that for many, many years. And as I was working in fitness, more and more, I felt like there was an audience that I wanted to reach around like, hey, you don't have to be fit in a certain way, like you can fitness can be different for every certain person. And so, you know, helping people find their kind of fit as, you know, to, to, to use that phrasing. And then, you know, as I evolved kind of landing in the body positive realm, as it became more of a thing. <laughs> And I had my own history with body image issues and growing up not feeling comfortable in my skin. And I never actually felt like I fit in the fitness industry because I was, you know, always in a bigger body and, you know, or at least bigger than the kind of the ideal of a fitness person, all in air quotes for those not watching. And so I kind of found my way into this body positive world. And then I found my way into intuitive eating and that in combination with my fitness has kind of guided me to really serve more more women than men but some I have a few, a few gents as well and non-binary folks so um and really helped me land in this space of you know helping people land in body appreciation body respect and really health from this body positive lens, from this, you know, as intuitive eating, we talk about authentic health. So how do we help people land in authentic health? So that's kind of was a bit of my story. And now I'm actually doing my master's in counseling. So that's going to kind of dovetail into a lot of other things too. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. And I'm curious especially given, you know, your personal experience with your body, but also just as a fitness professional, because I think so many of our listeners, you know, I've shared my story on the podcast as well of also feeling that we have to look a certain way in order to, you know, air quotes again, succeed in the industry. So for you, how did you find intuitive eating? Like, what was Mm. that journey like for you personally from the food side, but also with, with the fitness side?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm kind of your classic story. I started dieting when I was eight. I put myself on a diet, which is, you know, when you're eight, that's like, I'm gonna eat some more salads. <laughs> and, you know, fast forward to my teens, still very troubled relationship with my body and food that led me to disordered eating, eating. Certainly, I was never diagnosed. But if I look back on it and kind of look at the DSM, I definitely would have been diagnosed had I actually pursued that uh, with bulimia. So struggled with that until I was about 19 at which point I found fitness where you could be socially acceptably doing restriction of food and over exercising and you would be put on a pedestal and praised and 100%. so what I have come to know now knowing what I know now is that my eating disorder didn't I didn't go into recovery at that point I just shape shifted into Sh-
0: shape shifted that's a great shape shifted
1: into a different type of disordered eating, eating disorder, probably landing in orthorexia. And it really took actually having babies to realize that I didn't want to have this relationship with food and and my body anymore. And I'm more of like a a lot of people actually have this, I kind of like, slowly transitioned into more of an intuitive eating approach, I found the book relatively early on, this is a bit of a throwback. Uh, Catherine McPhee, Talked about oh, it in a, pe- in yeah, it, I know, right? Throwback. <laughs> throwback, uh, American Idol, for those that don't catch that reference, uh, Catherine McPhee talked about it in a People Magazine article. I don't even know what year what? it was. I but would be I remember, so curious to know what year it is now. That's so I, interesting. I want to think, I want to say like 2004 to 2006, somewhere in there. Wow. And I remember thinking, and this is actually pre babies for me. And I remember thinking, wow, that sounds really interesting. And so I don't know that I picked up the book. I might have gone to chapters and like flipped and gone, yeah, not for me.
0: <laughs> too too good to be true. This seems yes. like sorcery. Uh...
1: Yes, totally. I can't possibly have a like relaxed relationship around food. What if I stopped counting? That would be insane. Um, <laughs> so put it back on the shelf. And then fast forward, I I just landed, I would say, in post-babies plus some time, landed in a more intuitive approach. And I started learning more about intuitive eating, following a few accounts on social media, etc, and learning more. And then I got really into it. (laughs) And I decided to get my certification in intuitive eating. And it just felt so natural to engage with food this way. And so I would say pre doing my certification, I was a sort of intuitive eater, doing my certification, you know, really helped me land really firmly in intuitive eating. And so that's where I am now. So I mean, it's a bit of a winding road. But that's kind of that's my relationship within food and body and intuitive eating.
0: I want to also applaud you for remembering the moment that you actually learned about intuitive eating, because I think it's so funny. We have so many intuitive eating professionals on this on the show. And they're like, I don't actually know, like, it's all gray, (laughs) really. thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah how it just like you said yeah. the natural journey just again feels natural yeah. and then yeah. all of a sudden you kind of get to the other all of a sudden yeah, that sounds fast but not yeah. but, but it, right? it is it is that similar experience to where you do kind of wake up one day and realize wow day by day it seems like not a lot has happened yeah. but then if you pause and look back oh, wow, wow my my brain has has shifted 100%. So yeah yeah you've been a personal trainer for mm-hmm over 20 years. So Mm -hmm. what made you want to go back to school for counseling?
1: Yeah, you know, once I got my certificate, the idea of a master's in counseling, this this seed was planted a few years back, four years ago, three, four years ago. And I thought, huh, that'd be kind of cool. And then the pandemic happened. (laughs) And during the pandemic, I was like, I don't know if I can, I can wrap my head around a master's right now. But maybe I could do this intuitive eating training. And really what led me there to even having that seed planted was, you know, because I was taking this body positive lens to health and fitness and talking with folks, you know, within my scope of practice about their relationship with food. And be like, okay, let's let go of all these binaries. And I started talking with them about a lot of the ideas that are, you know, in intuitive eating, but are really the psychology side of things. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening is I attracted a lot of clients that were in that disordered eating continuum, Mm -hmm. and entering towards the the eating disorder continuum side of the continuum. And I would refer them out, which is, you know, of course, what I would do. But I'm like, what would it look like if I could actually work with those people? Because what was coming back to me was, yeah, I can't really find a counselor that I feel like gets this. I just can't you help me with this. <laughs> I, I can't and, and I must go to practice to do that work with you. But, you know, it's hard because a lot of counselors bless them, because they're still living in diet culture, too. Are really entrenched in so those beliefs. So when you as you know as a dietitian, like you need that continuity of the the core messages that you're receiving. So yeah, I just really wanted to kind of expand my scope and expand my ability to help people.
0: You bring up such a good point that I've seen that theme among clients, among just my community here in Indianapolis yeah. as well of yeah just number one, a difficulty to get into a therapist or counselor, period, just from an availability standpoint. But then you're right to take it a step further to try to narrow it down to somebody who truly understands a non-diet approach. So so when you're talking about clients, like these have been personal training clients, what were Mm -hmm. some of the themes that you noticed among clients? Because I think any trainers listening... Sure. there's always that joke or trainers or hairstylists yeah. like, Oh, I'm yeah. also oh a yeah. because, <laughs> yeah. you know, they just, yeah. a lot yeah. of them do come yeah, to kind of socialize. There's that aspect sure. of it. So what were some of the common themes that you were recognizing among
1: yeah, among Well, one thing I will say is where I've landed in terms of personal training, again, bunny ears, uh, for those listening, not watching, uh, I use them a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, I tend to call myself a coach more than a per- traditional personal trainer. Because what I also realized fairly early on was that my skill set was best utilized, helping folks understand what was preventing them from moving. What I found was a lot of folks knew what to do, like logistics of whether that was strength training, whether that was you know getting out for walks, where they struggled was the actually doing. <laughs> And mm-hmm. so I get more into the strategic thinking behind and like the logistics of, and also acting as within my scope of practice, that kind of, okay, here's one of the things we want to, want to keep in mind and like making sure that people aren't, aren't, you know, going all in and and doing too much too soon. So that's kind mm-hmm. of where I land. So I'm in a coaching role already. And so- Totally,
0: totally makes sense.
1: Yeah. And I think hairdressers, traditional personal trainers, um, Yeah, hairstylists and and massage therapists, a lot of people who work in relationship with body, Mm -hmm. end up having these conversations with clients. And so for me, the distinction is as a coach, I can help people forward into the future. What are the things that can affect them moving forward, motivational strategies, what kind of, you know, a little bit like what's getting in your way, but I'm not going to unpack someone's trauma. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to unpack the relationship they have with their mother that's informed this or the relationship they have with their auntie or their uncle or their sister or whatever it might be. Um, and I, at the core of a true eating disorder, I believe there is some trauma. And you know, one of the things I would say is capital T trauma or little t trauma, it could be both one or the other or both. Can and you so, define,
0: yeah. talking not, not to cut you off. Can yeah. you define big T, little T trauma? Yeah, for, It's been a, some time since we've talked about that on the show. So yeah. just to refresh listeners. For sure.
1: For sure. So, you know, that's kind of like the like di- dialect that, that we talk about in counseling is like big T trauma. And it's kind of made its way to mainstream. Big T, t-, t trauma would be like what most of us would categorize as something that was deeply traumatic. And, you know, and really to clarify, a trauma isn't what happened. Like the event, it is how you responded to that, how you your body mind responded to that. Mm-hmm. And so the capital T trauma would be something that we would characterize as some sort of an assault, a major accident, a major health crisis, those types of big life events. Little T trauma is little things. It's the, the microaggressions somebody in a bigger body faces every single day. Can you it is, give some examples of that? Sure. It, it's it's going to a store, uh, going to a restaurant and not be able to fit in the seats. It's um, having someone visually scan you and judge your, uh, and appear as though they're judging your body. It is people making comments, of, oh, are you going to eat that? Or are you going to have that? Um, or, you know, conversely, somebody like overtly sharing with you about their diet with this le- kind of laden tone of maybe you should try this because that, that, that that all has a cost on the body as well. And that all has a cost on our ability to process all of that stuff. And so not only does that inform our narrative, it informs our stress response, right? It becomes a very stressful experience, a very, which can and then create trauma for the body mind. So that we're starting to understand more and more that these little instances of microaggressions, little instances of little things that were you know, being weighed at the doctor's office is another example. Those types of things have a cost. Mm -hmm. That's
0: a great example. And thank you for pointing that out that it's all relative. And Mm -hmm. for example, getting on the scale at a doctor's visit, I was talking about something similar on Instagram about, you know, how that could be in a sense traumatic for somebody, for somebody Mm -hmm. else, maybe not, but it all, it's all very individual and how, like how you see that, how the, the body actually responds. Well,
1: and it's also what's associated with that is the nurse who's, you know, I had to go and have a a medical assessment the other day for something and I had to step on a scale and they wanted wanted to weigh me and she's like, do you want to turn around? And like, she was really like trauma informed about it. And I was like, Hello, so lovely. So there's people out there that know and and it was a very non, like a a big deal. Like it was not a big deal. And she was completely unfussed about it. Whereas it's like you go to the doctor and you get weighed, but then your doctor gives you a lecture on how you should lose weight because you're out of the BMI, oh, BMI, mm-hmm. um, I, that I becomes roll. more traumatic. Yeah, huge mm-hmm. eye roll, sorry. I'm yeah. very very visual. <laughs> with how
0: I if you could hear our hands, just yeah, we wish, you, yeah,
1: Right? Wouldn't that be great?
0: <laughs> so you're entering this new phase of... I want to use the correct term: a counselor, psychologist. Mm-hmm. What what yep. what's
1: the end goal? I'll, with um, I'm in BC, so British Columbia in Canada. Um, I'll be registered across Canada as well as in BC eventually. Uh, once I'm all done, and okay. so I'll be a I'll be a registered clinical counselor in BC and a certified clinical counselor in Canada. Amazing, love it. Yeah. We we need we need
0: more of you, absolutely. Yeah. And you're just a brilliant woman and a master of all. <laughs> so you also wrote a book. Tell us yeah. about your book and kind of yeah. what inspired that.
1: Yeah, I wrote my book. Um, it just had its fourth birthday. So oh, I- happy birthday. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Fourth birthday of it being published. So actually, I wrote it five years ago, which now seems like eternities ago. And as I said earlier, like my intuitive eating training was during the pandemic. So like, I wrote it before I was trained in intuitive eating. So now, of course, I can look back and go. (laughs) There's a couple things in there I changed. But overall, I'm still wildly proud of it. And really, I wrote it because I kept having conversations with clients. And they were like, Oh, my gosh, this was just my brain just exploded that more people need to hear this stuff of like, what do you mean there's not a certain way to be fit? There's not a certain way to be healthy. And I don't you I don't have to do, you know, high intensity interval training to be healthy. I can like not go to the gym. What? Mind Crazy. blowing. Yes. <laughs> totally mind blowing. So, you know, I think it was that was kind of the impetus. It was just, I had kept on having these conversations. I'm like, well, I'd always kind of had this bucket list item of wanting to write a book. And I thought, well, why not? Why uh- not go for it.
0: First of all, like in snaps for just being inspired right there of just you're a prime example of female empowerment and just do the thing, take action, yeah. you know, make it messy. And I know yeah. one of the, the premises of your book is talking about this health zone. So I'd love yeah. if you could school us on, on what that is and your approach there.
1: Yeah. So. Again, health zone was born out of me working with clients and really landing so often with clients in binaries in these black and white narratives around how things are supposed to be I should this is how I this is what I have to do to be healthy. And what I started to help people conceptualize was, whoa, 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 whoa. it's not that simple. Like your body doesn't work like that. It's not a robot. And it's not like there's no quotas your body, every everything counts, right? And not in a pressurized, like everything counts, but in you know, like, everything counts, like, mm-hmm. so you can, what the idea was, was let's instead of thinking in this concrete, discrete, this is healthy, let's broaden the idea of what we include as healthy. And there's a few reasons for this. One is by broadening this idea of what does success look like? What does me being healthy look like? And I'll give you some specific examples to help this land. Is that if you imagine a continuum, on the bottom end of the continuum is the lower limit or the non-negotiable version of the health habit that you're wishing to have. On the other end is the idealized version. Not like the rainbows and butterflies and unicorns version, but like the what would work in your real life version. In the middle between those two zone, two areas is what I call the health zone. All of that is success. So what it does is it eliminates this binary, this way of thinking that in order to be successful, I have to do this. Well, sometimes life happens. <laughs> sometimes you get sick. Sometimes kids, you know, get sick. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, work deadlines happen. Sometimes vacations happen. It doesn't mean you can't be healthy within your unique definition of that. Instead, so it, it's a, the idea is to take people off that wagon approach of on the wagon, off the wagon, and into a zone of success. You know, number one, it helps with that binary. But then number two, one of the things that gets in the way for a lot of people is when they're in that binary, success fail. As soon as you fail, which is easy to do because success is actually pretty hard to achieve because we... Most people will establish the habit or decide what success is at the upper upper limit. Mm-hmm. And anything below the upper limit is not success. So what we're offering is expansiveness. Mm-hmm. And so when we take away that binary and we expand the idea of success, it offers people more opportunities to be successful. Because when we're, we identify, oh, I failed there, what happens in our brain? That inner dialogue starts chugging, you know, and then that inner critic just starts firing up. And oh my gosh, I can't believe you're so you're such a failure. You can't keep up with this, you never successful. All of the things, you know, you always, you never, all the things that keep coming up when are when we're not doing what we think we should do, which is that imposed belief system. And so by removing that, because the self-critic is so counterproductive to our sense of self-efficacy. Our ability to be successful. Well, when we don't have self efficacy, when we don't believe we can be successful, guess how likely it is that we're going to be successful? Not very likely. So, (laughs) pretty slim. Pretty slim. So, it really enables us to give ourselves more wiggle room, but not so much wiggle room that we can't be successful genuinely and Mm -hmm. have outcomes, but more breadth, more compassion, more grace and space Mm -hmm. to be a human. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is pretty
0: important. A little important. We (laughs) talk about that on the show all the time, you know, because this show is called Fit Friends Happy Hour, right? We talk about, you know, what does fitness look like? And I think it is. It's very muddled. It could be very gray of of defining that line, especially if you have that competitive background Mm -hmm. or you're just a high achiever. Oh, yeah. That. Fine line of giving yourself grace, but also not being, yeah. you know, you know, having goals but being flexible. Yeah. So, and I also love that you said talked about the wagon because it reminded yeah. me. I have not heard. I need to get back on the wagon. Like I haven't heard that in a while, oh. and I'm really glad that I haven't heard that oh, in a while. Good, but I have good. a feeling I'm I'm going to probably start hearing it. Headed Wait for into, the holidays; <laughs> it'll happen. Into the into the new year, or maybe because like, I'm not. Maybe I'm not in a traditional office
1: setting anymore. So right. I don't hear
0: that as yeah, much. But.
1: we do end up. I end I know I do end up in my like intuitive eating body positive bubble. <laughs> and bubble, Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm out, out, out of my bubble and like with other humans. I'm like, oh, oh people still talk like that. Oh, I get reminded very yeah. quickly.
0: Oh, oh yes, job security. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm still needed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. can you can you give us some examples of you know what those
1: habits spectrums or what right. some of those health behaviors might look like to somebody, right? Okay, because um, there's kind of two points. As you were talking, there was another thing that kind of popped into my head that I think is really important for people to hear about the health zone. So I want to give some examples, but then I want to talk about the other thing. So <laughs> I'm being. I'll put my put my
0: finger up here. Put our finger. Remember. And make sure we
1: parking lot <laughs> that other thing. So an example. So say maybe you want to work on drinking more water. That's a pretty like pretty universally agreed like being well hydrated good body likes that okay great but what do we often do we say we're gonna have x number of ounces per day
0: which is Hi, a hydro jug or those giant right
1: like it has like measurements of gallons it, like yeah your bottle is shaming you all day long yeah. all day long <laughs> and so you know again if you love that jug rip it up. I love it. If it works for you, fantastic. But for a lot of people, that type of a strategy ends up making them feel like I can never meet the mark. I'm failing constantly. So instead of saying, I'm going to, again, these diet codes are like arbitrary, drink half of your weight in ounces every day. I roll city, Um, not how hydration works. I don't know what you say to clients, but I always say like, let's check the color of your pee. I'm not physically going to check the color of pee. That's, that's TMI. But like, I want you to just get a sense of and like, how's your thirst? Like, are you constantly thirsty? Well, then you're probably dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And are you not urinating and your urine is like bright neocitrine yellow? Well, then probably some hydration focus would help. But let's just back the train up. Instead of an arbitrary measure, let's, you know, look at where is your hydration now? And what's the lower limit of like, you feel good when you have that much hydration? What could you build into your day that gives you like the bare minimum of I don't feel like a dog's breakfast when I have this, Mm -hmm. that is not too much of a stretch from where you are now. So that's the other piece of this, like, we have to take into consideration where you are now. So if where you are now is I don't drink any water, I'm a Sahara desert, like, okay, well, we need to up to maybe like, let's start with one glass of water a day. Could you have one glass of water a day as a first start, knowing that you also get hydration from like vegetables and fruit and Mm -hmm. coffee and tea and all these other sources. Okay, great. Let's start with one glass of water today or one sort of hydrating beverage per day. And then maybe the upper limit, the stretch version of that, that's not stretch out of your realm, but like no unicorns and butterflies and and rainbows, but like maybe three. Maybe could you have a glass of water with breakfast, lunch and dinner Mm
0: -hmm. as a way
1: to kind of build some hydration in. And anywhere between one and three per day, that's success. Mm. So it's having more of a range.
0: And my brain automatically also goes to thinking about like fitness or, you know, so many people get stuck when it comes to movement and they feel like I have to join a gym. I have to go, I have to have the structured schedule right away. And so what you're saying is somebody could define, you know, what are you doing now? What would be the easiest, most attainable first step? Yeah. And then kind of build that range from there.
1: Yeah. So the idea when we're building habits is to start by the building the rhythm, build the rhythm of it, build the rhythm of including water with your meals, build the rhythm of like setting in a bit of an intention around that, and then it will become more automated for you. And then if you find that you would like to, you can and then scaffold it up. Maybe you find that eventually your minimum becomes three, and your maximum becomes like six or eight or ever feels right for your body. And so the, there's movement within it. So the health zone isn't static, which was my other parking lot item. For example, you are expecting, am I allowed to say that?
0: Yeah, yes, it's been announced <laughs> on the pod. Okay, Everybody good. knows.
1: <laughs> all right, all of a sudden I was like, oh shoot, I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> you're good. So no um, surprise, you're, you're the first person I told. Although
0: fun <laughs> fact as a, as a trainer, and I could just say this just over the years, I can count on multiple hands how many women have come up to me and said, "I'm pregnant, but
1: I haven't told anybody yet," and I'm like, "What me? Why are you telling Why me? me? Why me? I know. <laughs> I mean, it is good. Tell your trainer. Your trainer should know if you're expecting. Um, it is good to let you like random random so. people. In, okay, random people, not class. So and you're just. I
0: don't know. I must have it like
1: all my. You just forehead, have a little so. like warmth and, in, and I, inviting. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, but
0: awesome. <laughs>
1: sorry. Go ahead. Back <laughs> to that example. Um. So, for example, you're pregnant. Right now, your hydration needs are higher. Yeah, there you are drinking water. You know, so your hydration needs increase as you're pregnant. So your health zone around your hydration would shift in accordance to your needs as an individual, not because an arbitrary trainer on the TikTok told you that you need to drink half your weight in ounce, ounces in half your weight in ounces. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's, I think, the beauty and the customizability of the health zone. It's a concept. It's a way to kind of envision a habit to build you into success, Mm. which is the whole point. Because we all know that the habits that are the most successful are the ones you do. Yeah, right. And And so the idea is do create something that you will do.
0: It's giving our black and white all or nothing thinkers something a little more tangible to wrap your head around. Yeah, that is also more flexible. I love that.
1: You know, because honestly, I think sometimes that somebody a lot of people struggle with intuitive eating, it's too gauzy, it's too Mm -hmm. like, uh, just eat what you want when you want, and however much you want. that's, I don't know, I need more structure than that. Okay, great. Let's lean into these intuitive eating ideas in a way that feels safe for you. Because Mm -hmm. if you have had a lot of structure, again, that's where I would say leaning into kind of trauma stuff we control our relationship around food. And I'm sure you see this a lot. We control our relationship around food when we're trying to find control period. And Mm -hmm. so there's that's where it's like that's where you might want to chat with a therapist of like, what's behind my need to have this much control over my body, and my the way it shows up in the world. And so
0: yeah, anyways, I could, I could talk. No, that's, that's so good. And I was actually reading something today that I think really resonated with, with this message and what we're talking about of when it comes to, you know, habits, we ho- put it on such a pedestal about like the actual task and the actual mm-hmm. thing or the actual mm-hmm. habit itself, instead of truly focusing on how do we want to feel or who yes. is the, you know, the type of person like we want to become. Yeah, And if we can lean more, and I think that's so much of what intuitive eating is right it's getting yes. in tune with with your body and who you are and your values and it's yes. like the more that we can lean into that piece
1: of it yes yes the yes. habits
0: the habits yeah. will come like they really because will. then it just becomes like you said just kind of who you are
1: yeah well you know what you said there really resonated for me too I think a lot of times people get stuck on the well intuitive eating just is like I'm gonna follow my whims around food and around movement and all these things and great okay but actually I feel crappy when I do that That's not the point. The entire point of intuitive eating is to land in body respect and authentic health, where you're in this dynamic integration of external health values and inner attunement, attunement to how your body feels. So it's Mm -hmm. like, really, at the end of the day, if that's making you feel like crap, well, that isn't intuitive eating. That's actually not landing in all of the principles. That's, you know, again, freedom to do that. But if you've identified that you don't feel good, engaging with your body and health that way, let's find another way that helps you feel fantastic.
0: So I love the idea of the health zone. Like I I just love that concept. And I think our listeners totally resonate that we'll we'll definitely link to your book in the show notes as well. But do you, I'm curious if you have other strategies that you use with clients or that you've learned kind of in your schooling so far to really help that, Mm -hmm. that person who's, man, they're just stuck in that, yeah. L- They're just stuck in that black and white. And yeah. it's really hard to move towards towards the gray.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is seeing it, right? It is mm-hmm. that ability to notice that you're like, when you are stuck in that moment, pausing, why is this friction here? I really land in a space of believing that everything we do has purpose. You know, whether that's A behavior that we're not keen on, or whether that's really anything, anything that we do consistently has purpose. Mm -hmm. What's in that for me? What about that behavior is rewarding me? What Mm -hmm. am I getting out of engaging with food movement or not engaging in food and movement? What what is going on for me that's kind of creating that friction in terms of me being? following through with that. You know, and sometimes it's because I'm trying to do too much. And that's where that health zone might come in. It's like, I need to redefine what success looks like. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I have a story about myself not being able to be successful here, or I'm scared that if I do this, then this might happen. And that's actually really scary for me. So Mm -hmm. again, it's kind of trying to peel back the layers of the onion and that's where I would say, like, if you start peeling back the laser and you're like, Oop, don't want to look there yet, <laughs> I would say, trust your instincts around not going there um, mm-hmm. and or talk to a therapist. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a great recommendation. And just getting curious about if I'm stuck, why am I stuck? What's the yeah. What's the possibility of yeah. this or another? And that's, I think that's one piece that I just love mm-hmm. about the intuitive eating model is that. Yeah. You don't have to make a decision. You just, you're just gathering information and getting curious. And that sometimes that can be enough.
1: Yeah. I think what you said there, be curious. Be curious. Like when you're I would like to tell my clients when you take a misstep, like when you kind of miss the mark on something, it's not a mistake. It's data. It's mm-hmm. really pivotal data that can be really helpful to the path forward. Cause you can be like, huh, that's interesting kind of that anthropologist hat that we like to put on in intuitive eating is non-judgmental observer. Hmm, That's interesting. Why did I, you know, eat past the point of comfort there? Or why did I, you know, have that challenging body image day? What was contributing to that? Oh, oh, interesting. I spent time with this person or interesting. I, you know, went clothes shopping or interesting. I, you know, feeling anxious about upcoming somebody seeing seeing somebody you know a lot of times leading up to seeing folks that's and that can be a trigger yeah. for body image stuff so or i had a family having a lot of those having things, a lot right? of those
0: conversations right now in sessions with clients of yeah the upcoming
1: right? oh my gosh. All, already
0: the the hesitation
1: of yeah right you, right and I, how am i going to deal with those conversations at the t- table and the comments and da, 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 da. yeah it's yeah uh, and, and to what we talked about in the beginning, right
0: now, maybe that's an eye opener for somebody listening that, that, that is traumatic. That is, yes. you know, those, those little things yeah. do add up and yeah. they may not feel like it in the moment, but if we yeah. think about, you know, marks on a, yeah. I'm thinking like a chalkboard, you know, yeah. like marks yeah. on a chalkboard. If you have some marks on a chalkboard, it adds up and it gets, yeah. it gets messy and it makes things cloudy. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, you know, the listener who They're motivated. They they want to make change towards their health. They want to have more energy. They want to, you know, whatever it is. They they want to make progress. They've got this awareness, but they're Mm -hmm. really feeling stuck. Of what do I do with this? And all I know is setting goals and right kind of black or white. I'm curious if you have any examples specifically related to not even just fitness, just fitness or health in general of like starting places for somebody who's trying to get there, but
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, I think one thing would be to start to be curious about what does healthy mean to you, right? Or what does fit, if fit is a a place you want to be, what does that mean to you? You know, how do you define that? And I always, the invitation is to expand it to from the physical, which is where we tend to focus to you know, however you want to organize it, body, mind, spirit, knowing that they all intertwine and kind of intermingle. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no such thing as separate body, separate body, separate spirit, it's all intertwined. But thinking in terms of those categories, what are the components that help me feel the way I want to feel in my body? And then even doing a little bit of a brainstorm, what are the things that I might do that are interesting to me, That there's a little spark of joy, a little spark of satisfaction and pleasure. And what might those things be as related to body? What might those things Mm. be as related to mind? What might those things be as related to spirit? And then what I tend to recommend is start with something that has like the trifecta. (laughs) I call them high return on investment habits. So is there a habit that is beneficial to your body, to your mind, and to your spirit? And that it's the convergence of those three things. Because that's going to be a lot of value to you. There's going to be a big reward in the, in that for you of doing that habit. Mm-hmm. And then take the nugget of that habit and scale it down 20 steps. Like <laughs> what you think you want it to be, I want you to get to its simplest form. So as an example, mm-hmm. I had someone who wanted to, her idea of movement that felt really joyful was to go to the track no brainer, because there's lights and it was a light night. So it worked for her life, go to the Mm -hmm. track and walk around the track. And she was going to listen to audiobooks while she did that. So like it hit boom, 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 hit three trifectas, it worked for her life, which also needs to play into like, does it work for your life? Like, Mm -hmm. your trifecta might be like, go some snowy location. I don't know. <laughs> but like that might be possible. Is that plausible? Yeah. Do you live in Arizona? That's not maybe possible. Right. <laughs> right. So find something that feels possible for you and then take the kernel of that. What might that be? So this woman she wanted to walk around the track. Great. So the scaled down version was drive to the track at the designated times. I don't care if you get out of your car. Drive to the track and then drive home. She never didn't get out of the car. Of course, once she drove to the car, she allowed herself, but we scaled that habit up until she was achieving what she wanted to achieve. So Mm -hmm. we started by driving to the track. And then once we drive the truck, then we walked for five minutes at the track and then went home. Then we did 15, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we scaled it out to what she wanted it to be. And then we still had that health zone of like minimum 15 minutes, upper limit 45 to 60. I
0: love that example. And I think we talk about, goal setting a lot on the show and, yeah. you know, reverse engineering. And yeah. th- I almost think of what you're describing to me, that feels like reverse engineering. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and totally. of, like you said, breaking it down, I'm trying to think of a, a non health related example. But I don't know, let's say you have some big project that you want to yeah. work on. Yeah, you want to accomplish at work. It's yeah. like, but it's not just accomplishing that project. It's researching the yeah. platform. It's you know, right. All these little baby the steps. steps. So I've actually never really thought about it from the health perspective yeah. of kind of boiling it down yeah. to the simplest form. So that that is a golden nugget right there.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's kind of the uh, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Simon Sinek. He has a mm-hmm. a, fat, a famous TED talk called "Start with Why." It's like start with the kernel of why you want to be healthy. Why do you want to move? What is in it for you? This kind of mm-hmm. arbitrary because diet culture tells me so is where a lot of people are starting from. And it's a really unstable foundation to start I, and build.
0: From. I don't think people take the time to ask the why <laughs> they just say, this is what I need to do. And so they write it down and they, right. and they go versus yeah. actually kind of processing and,
1: and yeah. really untangling yeah. that, well, that deeper purpose. You know, and then diet culture tends to give you all these platforms, especially in fitness, like plug and play just do this Mm -hmm. but plug and play doesn't work for the vast majority of people it works for some people that's great if that works for you again carry on it's kind of like that water jug if that works for you awesome you do you but for the majority of people that plug and play is so binary that there's such a level of failure embedded into that if you don't maintain the five days a week that the program's telling you to do and it's like well five days a week is a lot that's it actually work towards that maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah. It makes me even think of just how many people during, you know, over the past few years who have probably invested in like a Peloton. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Of like how, how diet culture and not that there's anything wrong with having nope. like, you know, I have an exercise bike too. It's great. Yep, it's it's me a great too. tool, but yep. how the culture sells us this idea of like, if you just have this thing, or if you have this product then yep. the habit and the behavior will follow. And really, yeah. to your point, it's like, no, it's not that simple. Yeah. And so no. if you're listening, and if you've you know, bought into some of these things... Your Peloton's dusty. <laughs>
1: right. Like, yeah. It, it's not that simple.
0: It's not yeah. that yeah.
1: easy. Yeah, And and, and in, there's this fine balance, like I said, like going to the track worked for her. You know, the idea of at-home fitness logistically seems like it would work for a lot of people. And it might, but it might be about looking at it in a slightly different way. How could you engage with, and it might be Peloton, who knows? But like, find a way to engage with that, that is like, starting from the foundation, build up, scaffolding up into what you want it to be, as opposed to starting at the like, it's like, you don't, like, I'm, I'm going to use the house metaphor, because I'm already halfway deep. But like, you don't start by like, putting on your, I don't know how to build a house, but wall and all the finishing, <laughs> you don't do the start you know, of finishing. You start with the foundation. A house literally right outside
0: my oh, no. podcasting window right now. <laughs> it's what I listen to all day, every day. And I pray that they're done by the time I record podcasts in the evening. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, this is so funny because this just yeah. drove my husband crazy because yeah. they have taken forever to put, put the roof on. And apparently they did all these other things that you're not supposed to do without putting the roof on. So yeah, your point. That might not
1: work out for them. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, it typically doesn't. Like, you don't. If you're building a house, you don't start with a foundation and then like put up drywall. You have to like have the scaffolding. You have to have like all the things in place. You don't like put all the fixtures in the bathroom until you have like all of the stuff in place. Like, th- there is process to this.
0: This is what happened. I'm pretty sure because he. Because again, I also don't. I don't build houses, so I don't fully <laughs> fully understand. But I, I do. I think they had put in drywall or something without like fully oh, wow. finished. Well, so had a roof. The roof, You know, and we're in we, the winter <laughs> here in Indiana and like snowy, yeah. rainy. So it's a perfect example, right? But yeah. but we see it all the time. We yeah. start with we start with the end goal. 100%. And that's what we shoot for. And then no it's no wonder yeah.
1: we feel yeah.
0: Like a big thing. Well, and not
1: only do we shoot for the end goal, we shoot for an idealized end goal that isn't probably possible for the vast majority of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have an end goal that was You know, in my book, I talk about like this formula, how we think it's supposed to go. I have this outcome that I want to achieve. I have a desire to change. I pair that with a program and bada bing, bada boom, I have my desired outcome. But that's not how it goes, Mm -hmm. you know, for most people is like, you have to kind of look at all the. in the book, I explain like all the different parts of that equation and what's getting in our way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, and there's flaws at all levels. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious if
0: if you've stumbled upon this kind of in your yes. research at all of uh, any like correlation between like the black and white thinking and burnout because I've I've been listening mm. to a lot of podcasts about Ooh-y. burnout lately and I'm just curious if you've c- come across yeah. anything it
1: comes to like. Setting all these goals, I haven't, but I bet you that there is one. And I have a friend that is like that's what she's doing her PhD right now is in burnout. Oh, um, interesting. Specifically among personal trainers. So I, I'll I'll I'm got to connect. I, I'm seeing yeah. her tomorrow. I can connect you guys. Uh, she would be a fantastic guest. Uh, she's a a trainer of personal trainers, and so she's doing her PhD in resilience and burnout prevention mm. in personal trainers, because uh, it's this uh, burnout rate in personal trainers is ah. Uh, through the roof it is yeah, yeah and i just i just i'm
0: curious i'd, I'd be so yeah. interested to learn more about that connection just makes
1: sense that to people me are right experiencing
0: yeah like yeah people trying to set all these these goals and, and when yeah. it comes to kind of health from the health perspective and how well,
1: and perfectionism and striving and proving and people pleasing and all that stuff that tends to come with binary thinking as well mm-hmm. is this kind of like train this freight train <laughs> chug and that's a yeah. lot It's so, it's so loaded. It's so complex. Yeah. Uh, Jillian,
0: you're a blessing. There's so many good things that we could talk about and we'll definitely have to have you back on the show just to love that. I would love that. There's so much more we can talk about. So yeah, a few questions as we wrap up today. First, I have to know, I ask all of my podcast guests, what is the best thing that's happened to you this week?
1: Oh, best thing. Um, do you know, right now it is snowing here. And so I live on the west coast of Canada on Vancouver Island and it it's not really known for being a snowy place in the winter. Like we do get the odd snowstorm, but it's really an odd snowstorm. St- and right now it's like just like if I look out my window, the snow's blowing and everything's gotten canceled tonight. Yes, and so I'm like, <laughs> I have some cookie dough in the fridge, ready to go for Christmas cookies, and I'm gonna bake cookies with my kids, and we're gonna watch an episode of Lost. And so that is the best thing that's happened to me this week. Yeah. <laughs> that is
0: amazing. I love that. I read something on Instagram. It was like, it was like, I hate driving in the night in winter. I hate the night. I hate winter. Okay, I'm not very <laughs> good at telling this story, but perfect example. It's just like everything yeah. gets canceled yeah. and it turns into yeah. the best thing ever. So I love it that. It is. Yeah. <laughs> love that for you. That sounds phenomenal. Where can our
1: listeners find you to connect yeah. and, and learn more? Cool. They can head to the easiest website to go to is super So super s u-p-e-r-y-o-u.ca. And then you can connect to everything from there. I have an online studio where I have like videos like po- body positive, fitness and yoga videos on demand, I have a membership that people can learn about there uh, that we kind of talk about the body positive approach to health. I have a whole bunch of courses that I've developed over the years to help people explore this on their own. Um, so that probably be the best place. Um, it will redirect you to my super U studio. So that's just kind of the home base. And you can find all my socials there. But quickly, my socials, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Facebook, I tried TikTok. I did not like it. Um <laughs> people like, don't do TikTok. I don't want to. Um, So I do Instagram. I do do reels. So Instagram is just Jillian Gertson, all one word. And so it's Jillian with a G and Gertson, no T. And my Facebook is super you fit. I know they should probably all be one, but they are not. <laughs> we, we will link to all of those in the Amazing. show notes because
0: it sounds like, you know, you do have... Some amazing resources that yeah. unfortunately are so hard to find. You know, it's it's yeah. difficult. It's not as easy as it should be to find yeah. weight inclusive fitness. Yeah. And so yeah. we're grateful that that you're here and awesome. that you're you're providing that. So thanks so much, Jillian. Cool.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been a delight.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.